Welcome to another episode of In the Zone. I'm your host, Garrison Roy. Today we got a very special guest, Tyson Ellis. But before we get into that, I want to just kind of run down how the show kind of goes about, right? So this is a full-length episode. Um, you can catch Mental Minutes. You can catch other full-length episodes, other coaches, other players. We'll also go on a few rants here and there every once in a while, right? But biggest thing is you know, you guys got to share the show. I don't make any money on this or plan to make any money on this. This is all just pure value and educational exchange, right? So if you like this, you enjoyed this episode, you know, we'll start to have more episodes similar to it. Um, you know, but I want you guys to share it and give me that feedback um, as much as possible. So we're here to grow the game of baseball and call it any of the BS of a snake oil salesman in the industry. But with that being said, Tyson Ellis, what is up, my dude? What's up, man? Good to see you as always. Yes, sir. So for those of you listening who don't know Tyson, um, he recently just took on a new role at Rockingham Community College out here in North Carolina as the assistant pitching coach. Um, you know, before that, obviously, he played for a little bit as well. Um, I came in uh, coaching him whenever he was at Troy University, but he can kind of fill in the the full picture for you guys there but even before then kind of skipping around here a little bit but he was at fcj community college of jacksonville florida uh volunteer right or was that kind of like yeah, a volunteer assistant yeah so and you guys went to the world series this past year right which is oh cool. yeah d2 juco yeah. series juco world series enid oklahoma that's sick well, i get, let's kind of talk about that for a little bit since it's more recent on your mind like how was that experience Dude, it was awesome. Like it was it, the the postseason run in general. The whole thing was was just really cool. Just going into it and um, you know, seeing that kind of run from you know just coming out of a player's perspective into a coach's perspective of just you know how do you manage you know guys in a sense of in like a regional type atmosphere, right? And then you know we end up winning the regional, so that's cool. And then moving on to a super regional type of environment of a two out of three. Okay, how are we going to manage guys here? And then ultimately going to a World Series where it's like, hey, you know, we're going to have to play some really good teams. You know, a lot of games that we ended up playing, we ended up playing five days, five games in five days all in a row. So, you know, just kind of stuff like that. You know, how do you, how do you, you know, not that you ever necessarily want to lose, but, you know, right. how do you say, okay, you pick your battles, right? Like we have our best chance to win here. You know, maybe, you know, we're already up a game. Well, do we save our bullet for the best chance to beat this team the next day? And just kind of stuff like that. So it was definitely awesome. And then just the atmosphere out there was super cool. I mean, oh, the uh, it's definitely a chess game when it comes to stuff like that in the postseason. Cause you're like, all right, we have our ace. We could catch a dub here, but like, then you don't know what, you know, what else might be coming on further down the road. Yeah. Um, and I'll give it an example from it. It was, it actually happened in our regional tournament. The beginning, it was, we were playing a team and we had, we, we had won out. So we'd won the first game, won the second game. So we were two and oh going into, you know, in the driver's seat of a four-team regional. And, you know, the first day, 
it was, or we, we played the team that had already, we played Pasco Hernandez state college and they had already lost the game. So for us, you know, they have to beat us twice. We only have to beat them once in that first game. You know, they have to basically use all of their guys because they have to win. They have to get to the next thing. But for us, we ended up actually throwing a position player, like a left-handed position yeah. player back up. Right. less pressure on you guys. You know, you're like, Hey, if we drop it, we drop it. You know? Yeah. If we drop it, we drop it. Exactly. And then he ended up going like five innings and only giving up one run, kept us in the game. That's and it, nice. it, it was nuts. It was crazy. And it let us, uh, and it let us save a bunch of guys for the next day when and we ended up having significantly more arms in the tank with on better rest than they did. And then we just ended up outlasting them basically. Yeah. Um, Pasco Hernando, I actually have a funny story about them. Whenever I was in junior college, I played Southeastern my first year. We go all the way to – we get in the loser's bracket and then we just kind of win out a little bit, right? And we get to play Catawba Valley. Yep. And – Catawba Valley lost to Pasco the day before, so then we played them. And then I pitched in that game, ended up winning. It was crazy, just kind of back-and-forth offensive game. Really, it had nothing to do with my pitching. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then we won that one and technically won our region, won Region yeah. 10, D2. But Pasco Hernando was the only D2 team that was in the area, so they just kind of like joined our conference or regional tournament. Mm-hmm. And then like the winner of that would go to – Calls the World Series, so we beat CBCC, got the region championship, but lost to Pasco the game literally right after that first game against CBCC, and so they went to the World Series and we didn't, which kind of sucked. But that's tough there. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like roll of dice, bittersweet. It's like, oh yeah, you hit this huge pinnacle, and then like, ah, just kidding. Yeah, you're going home, kid. Yeah, uh, it was tough, but yeah. Juco life, right? Yeah, yeah. Get knocked out, hurt, especially that. It's it's like another interesting part of it is, you know, that point in the season, when you see when you start to see teams get knocked out of the World Series, it's like such a weird – because, you know, obviously everybody's sad. To make it that far, you know, is obviously – it's almost like you can't be upset in a way, right? You know, yeah, you can be oh, upset. We got, we, our season ended in the World Series. We got beat by some of the best teams in the country. But it's like, you know, I feel like – teams grow incredibly close during runs like that because you know you have to go through so much and it's and it's so sad but it's it's like the weirdest mixture of like wow like i'm so sad like this run comes to an end because of not even necessarily baseball stuff for me it was just like you know being around guys for so long and and that's probably the last time you'll have all those group of guys together exactly but it's also like even though you lose you know how do you sit there and say, wow, bad season or something, you know, you made it to the world series. You can't like, you can't, you have to, you have to be okay with it in a way, mm-hmm. but you know, so yeah, that was just a interesting dot. Like from a coach's perspective, like being able to see that and seeing how close our group of guys, we all, we'd always had a really close group of guys, but like, you know, during that run, like they got, they became really close and it was good. Like it was, they were truly family. And that I attest our run to that, honestly, I really do. But you know, the best, the, best winning teams to be a part of are the ones with the best team camaraderie. Yeah. And by the I, end, I've of been it, a part of both. I've been a part of a team that, you know, the winning wasn't always necessarily there, but we had the best team camaraderie and ended up doing really well. Uh-huh. We had other teams where we just had all the talent in the world and our team camaraderie sucked. Yeah. Much for lack of better terms. And then that was kind of our demise at the end of the season. Yeah. No, it's, it's real. It's real for sure. But yeah dude so i guess going into this coming season at rockingham right what are some of your 
not necessarily, I would say expectations, but more of like, Hey, like what standards are you going to be setting day one? Cause you know, if you don't start at day one, then you can't yeah. really expect it coming in the spring. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing is just instilling in guys that, you know, one, it's a process and two, you have to buy into this process every day, you know, yeah. especially going into a fall, right. Where Juco, you know, you play games and stuff in the fall and it's really understanding like, Hey, you know, this is about that. The this fall period is about improvement more than anything else. You know, I obviously want you to go out there in your fall games and, and throw two innings and strike out six and give up no runs. That'd be awesome. Sure. But at the end of the day, you know, for some guys it may be, Hey, you know, we got to get your breaking ball tightened up. You know, it's not a great breaking ball right now. So in his fall game, you know, he may go out there and the breaking ball might suck. Honestly, you know, it might get peppered a little bit, but you have to understand, you know, that we're working on it. Like we're working on this. You got to go out there and throw it. You got to get in game feel for it. You got to keep throwing it, throwing it, throwing it. And understanding this process is not when you're trying to improve at something at this kind of, this kind of level, you're not always going to be immediately successful. Like you're going to have, it's a process every day, work on it, work on it, work on it. And then understanding that if you just put one foot in front of the other, do your work every day, ultimately down the road, it's going to pay off, but you can't get frustrated and then stop working just because, you know, your breaking ball doesn't improve immediately or you don't have a velo spike that you're looking for, or, you know, maybe your stuff's just getting hit around, whatever. If you can't find the strike zone, you know, maybe we're tinkering with somebody's mechanics. And at first, you know, he struggles with command, but you know, you know how it is. You try something every single day. That that's, that's baseball, right? Especially in the fall for any, for any program, division one, division two, Juco, you know, that's yeah, about what it is. You might that as like trying to improve something every day. Cause some people could misinterpret that as like, oh, I'm going to just try random stuff every single day and then just yeah. see what happens and see what sticks, which is yeah. not necessarily the best recipe for success, right? But like, exactly. yeah, you're trying to improve. You're trying to... It's, it's level understanding, up. hey, we have a plan and we have to execute each part of this plan one step at a time. And then ultimately it builds a ladder to get where we want to. It can't be, you know, we tried this for a week and then it didn't work. So now we throw it overboard and try something brand new. It's it's a process. It's never, it's not. And, and the thing is, is for some guys, it does work that way, right? Like I've seen a lot of guys who maybe all it takes is them for one month of a lifting program and boom, velo spike, just like that. For some guys, it, it happens. It does. But for other guys, you know, it might take three, four or five months. Like it does. Everybody, everybody progresses at a different pace. And you have to understand that your plan's your plan. And you have to attack the plan on a consistent basis. It's more about consistency than anything else. Just do it. Do the plan. Follow the plan. Do it to the best of your ability day in, day out. And eventually, you know, you'll get to where you want to be. But it has to be an everyday thing. It has to be on days you don't feel like it. It has to be on days that you might not necessarily see it. I kind of think of it, honestly, of um, that uh, Eric, uh, Eric Thomas quote when he says it. And he's like, you know, sometimes you have to believe in it even when you can't see it, when it's not tangible. Like, you know, you just have to believe. You have to believe that you have a plan, trust it. And for me as a coach, I like to make sure guys know that my plan comes from not just me, but people surrounding me. Like, for instance, you. Like, you know, I, you, you know how I think, see you as a strength coach and a, I, I respect what you say. And, you know, we talk, we, I bounce stuff off you all the time. And yeah. I do that with some of my older pitching coaches. Like, hey, you know. I'm taking this collectively from other people. It's not just me throwing you stuff and saying, Hey, do this. Like it's coming from a good place and just trust it, trust it. So, yeah. and do it and do it consistently. Well, a lot of coaches I know out there do mean well, right. It's not like they're just trying to screw you up in spite. Yeah. And 
for some reason in my career thought either the, I knew that the coaches didn't know everything as much as I've like either been exposed to or knew mm-hmm. currently at the time. So I was like, all right, like I know they mean well, but like also screw that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, for sure. And and it's more about, and, and that's what another thing we just had our first team meeting today, actually. And, and I let guys know that, you know, I want them to know that as they're working, you know, on a daily basis doing this stuff, I'm working too. I'm trying to figure out what's the next step for these guys. What do they got to do to improve next? What do, what do I have? Like, you know, this guy's not feeling his breaking. Like when we're talking about breaking ball, right? Let's, he's not feeling this breaking ball. He can't figure it out. You know, I want them to know that when I come home, I'm doing everything in my power to figure out how I can help you figure out how to throw that breaking ball. Whether it's, I got to mess with your grip, whether I got to mess with your wrist angle, whether, you know, whatever it is, like, they need to know that I'm working just as hard for them as I want them to be working for honestly themselves and the team as a general, like, you know, I'm trying to help them too. So, you know, I, I'm doing everything I can to figure out what they need to do to improve also. So for sure. Like, well, you know, the best leaders out there lead by example. Yeah. And, you know, you've definitely walked the walk. So now you can kind of talk the talk a little bit, but also, have a lot of relation because you're not too far removed from the game versus some coaches out there. You know, it's been a few years, even myself, right. It's been since 2017, unless you count like adult league games. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like, yeah, that was more recent for me. Um, You know, but talk a little bit about your playing experience and how it kind of shaped you to have the philosophy of like what you have as a coach now. Skip ahead the next 60 seconds if you don't want to find out about the company I co-founded, Ink Sports Performance. So here's the scoop. At Ink Sports Performance, we get it. We were athletes ourselves, former college and professional pitchers. We were also former college coaches as well. Rob and I, we don't do one-size-fits-all programs. We custom craft each training and throwing program and offer that one-on-one coaching support that you need where you're not just a number. We're all about that personal touch. We'll dive into your training videos, whip up some of the program designed to take you to your next level. Nothing cookie cutter here. So if you, one of your friends, or maybe a player that you know is serious about competing at the next level, hit us up on our website, give us a call, get that set up at inksportsperformance.com. And also just a heads up, we're also very selective who we take. Right. We only take a handful of dedicated athletes. And if you're not putting in the work, we'll have to say goodbye. So let's ink you in to the next level. Yeah. Well, so playing wise, it was, it was especially the first year of roller coasters. So right out of high school, I signed to USC upstate. I went there for a fall, um, went there. I enjoyed the people there. Just, I didn't necessarily, I just didn't really buy into the program. Honestly, like once I got there, I didn't really buy in. And I, I didn't necessarily agree with what was going on. So I, you know, I left and that's just how I felt about it. So I had to do what was best for me, transferred to a JUCO after the fall, went to that junior college, Gulf Coast State College in Panama City. And honestly, I sucked. Like that, I, I sucked. I was bad. I was really, really bad. And I was scared. And I just felt, you know, in a weird sense is I, I felt very outmatched. And in my head, I remember when I was transferring from the upstate, which is a division one school, I didn't really know too much about junior college. And in my head, I went in there thinking, oh, I'm a D1 guy. These are JUCO players. You know, I'm going to be fine. 
And I went out there like the first couple of times. We opened up against State College of Florida, who ended up having four guys drafted. And then most of the guys in the SEC. And I remember our, our ace went out there, gave up eight runs in three innings. I went out there, gave up seven runs in like two innings. And I don't know, it just, my confidence just went through the floor. You know, I was like, wow, these guys are actually a lot better than I'm, I'm there. I'm not, I'm not prepared mentally. I'm not prepared physically, not prepared spiritually. Yeah. Like it, I, like, and it, I say it, I, I ended up getting hurt and couldn't play for the second half of the year. And I swear that besides the injury itself, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it gave me a kind of a chance to get, I got a medical red shirt and I had the opportunity to basically redo my freshman year. So, but at the end of that season, I ended up getting cut because I got hurt. Coach thought that I was just being scared. Honestly, he, he, he told me my face. He said, you just don't want to pitch here. And I told him that's not true. I got hurt. But in a sense, he wasn't necessarily wrong because I did pitch to him. You know what I mean? So then that summer, I ended up, I, I get my arm right, went and played summer ball, and I didn't have anywhere to play. I, I honestly, for an extended period of time that summer, I thought I wasn't going to play baseball. I was telling my granddad, I was like, I'm just going to, I played high school golf, actually. I told him, I was like, I'm going to walk onto the golf team at our local community college so I can get some classes done. And I'll work on baseball and see if I can't come back next year. I actually thought that, like, this is real. And then one of my best friends, he was playing summer ball out in Wyoming. Team didn't have pitchers. He called me and said, hey, you know, come. You know, we need pitchers. Like, you're going to pitch. And I said, you know what? Why not? Maybe I'll go out there to Wyoming and maybe I'll just run into somebody. You never know. Like, I, at this point, I'm just trying to play. But my, that, and that, that day, my thought process changed. I said, I, I, internally, I said, Tyson, this might be it for you. You know, like you might not play anymore. So if I'm going to go out there and never play again, I'm not walking anymore, people. I'm not pitching scared. I'm going to throw you a fastball right down the middle every time. And if I give up a thousand home runs, I give up a thousand home runs. And what I learned was, is I started do had that philosophy and guys started missing the ball and just not getting hits. And in oh, my head, really? so the guys actually started getting themselves out. Yeah, they got themselves <laughs> out. And I was like, and, and as that happened, my confidence just started building and, and I was like, wow, like, okay, like I'm good enough to do this. All I got to do is challenge guys. You know, like I, my stuff's good enough. Like I can get guys out. And luckily of all places, I was in Minot, North Dakota. Wow. Minot, North Dakota. Oh, we were playing the Source Valley Saber Dogs Expedition League. Okay. A guy named Corey Thompson. Shout out Corey Thompson. I'll be forever, forever grateful for this guy. Um, he saw me throw. I threw really well against them. They're the best hitting team in the league. I went out there one night and it was like an eighth inning or ninth inning or something. I came in punched the side on like 10 pitches. And it was honestly, to this day, it was probably one of my best innings ever. Like just blowing people up, blowing them up. And he was like, you know, he's, he was at Spring Hill College. He said, I'm going to try to get you a JUCO spot. I have a friend at Pensacola State. If not, you can come play for me because you can pitch. And I said, okay. He got, he got on the phone uh, next day, got a call from Pensacola State, and which is in the same conference as Gulf Coast, my first JUCO. And he said, hey, man, Corey told me you were throwing pretty good this summer. I'm looking for one more arm to add a walk on, you know, I can't give, you know, just all, all I got to walk on spot. And I said, I'm from Florida. It's not going to cost me much money. All I want is a chance. So go there. And that was by far the best thing that ever happened to me. Went there that fall, walked into it, you know, as a walk on, no one really knew how I was. And I just remember, you know, we're, we were a good junior college. We were in the Panhandle conference with Chipola and Northwest. Like they, like the, the scholarship guys, you know, quote scholarship guys that they really liked, like they were all good guys. You know, most of our guys, we had multiple, multiple guys who were all 
90 plus and multiple guys on top of that were like 93 plus and i had never even hit 90 before yeah so you know but i I told myself in my head i said you know we're gonna have to get after it and luckily i had i met dj wilkinson obviously you know yeah yeah, that's my boy that's my boy forever and uh yeah that's where i met dj and he kind of noticed that like i wanted to work hard you know i told him i said i this is like i i left the division one school with the thought process that I never worked hard in high school. And if I work hard, I know I can go to a better D1. That's what was always my thought process. That's why I left. So went there and then he kind of took me under his wing. He, he knew about all the, he knew about lifting. He knew about, you know, plyos, driveline, the long tossing stuff, all that. I didn't really have any knowledge on that kind of thing. I just knew that I was going to work hard. Like I was ready. I didn't know how to write a workout program. I didn't know how to do anything. I just, I basically just said, Hey, and he was good to preface that the, the year before DJ had a really good season. He was like eight and two in that conference, like a low three ERA. He was really good. And he was kind of like a team leader because of that. So in my head, I was like, you know what? This dude obviously is doing something right. He's getting a lot of offers from yeah. places. You know what? Hey, I'll trust him. And that's what he did. So basically everything, everything he was doing, I was just like, Hey, bring me along. I'll do it. I'll throw with you. I'll do everything. I'll lift with you. I'll do the whole nine yards. And, uh, and the biggest thing, though, I think that the biggest commitment I had to make was, you know, weight room and eating. I was 160 pounds and I just was just skinny. You know, I could you start getting around high level athletes like you start to most, you know, there's a couple guys here and there that aren't not everybody. But most high level athletes like they're big, strong dudes for the most part, like most of them, especially junior college. Right. Like most, yeah. Most of the time you can tell the most the most physical guys are a lot of times, you know, the better ones for the most part. And I wasn't at all. Like I was weak, super weak. Couldn't even deadlift three fifteen trap bar. Like super weak, and super skinny. And uh, I committed to drinking a gallon of milk every day. That's what I told myself. I saw this. I had a friend that was friends with Cody Bellinger. Said that Cody Bellinger had done that. I don't even know if it's true, but at this point, I believed him. And I was like, you know what? I'll drink a gallon of milk every day. So I did. I drank a gallon of milk every day. I was put eating like 5,000 calories a day. Looking back on it, knowing what I know now, definitely wasn't the smartest thing to do. Yeah, that's a really small p-value. and uh, Yeah, uh, not a very smart thing to do, but I went from 160 to 185 in two months. And then, um, you know, but velo still wasn't necessarily there, whatever. That's when I started getting into like mobility type stuff. Yeah. And I started, I was like, I can't just be jacked. I got to be able to move. Like. So I worked on that in the fall. I was 85, 88. I was very average. And the, over the winter break, I focused on nothing but lifting or but nothing but mobility, getting loosened up, all that. And then came back opening weekend. I had never hit 90 before. That was I told all my teammates, I said, I want to hit 90. That's all I want to do. I want to throw 90. Go out there first weekend. And I had, did great. I think for opening weekend, I think I went like three and two thirds and punched like seven, maybe like it was no runs. And I happened to know a scout that was in the stands just from previously. He, he used to be a college coach that was recruiting me. So I just knew him. And I walked up to him after the game. I was like, his name's Tyrone Dawson. Another dude, shout him out, love him to death. I'm like, Tyrone, please tell me I hit 90. Please tell me I hit 90. That's all. I've been working so hard. I swear. Mm-hmm. Was, hit 90. He goes, I had you sit in 90, 93 for most of the outing. Oh, and I was like, Oh my God, no way. And from that moment I knew like that, I was like, that's it. Like, 
this is the way to do it. Like you got to get big fast. Like you got to get bigger, stronger, move better. Like that I was sold, you yeah. know, right there. Definitely had a, not to like downplay this. Cause like you definitely put in the work, but you probably had a nice little case of novice gains there. Yeah, no, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, so that, that ended up happening. I ended up having a really good year. Um, not to toot my own horn, but, uh, I think I ended up, well, I think it was the first 23 innings I threw that year, or maybe it was, you know, something 22, 23, 24 was had a zero ERA through like the first nine appearances, didn't give up a run. And I ended up to like second team, all conference and signed to Troy and then went to Troy. Um, great pitching That's coach there. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole nother story. So at that point, my, what really, what, what I think now looking back on it, what, what mostly happened was my freshman year when I tore my labrum, I never got surgery on it because I was so scared of mm-hmm. labrum surgery and the, and the rehab that comes with it. And I got to Troy, started throwing for the most part, my arm was fine, but my elbow started hurting. And what the trainers told me there is that it was just, I was always going to be compensating for my shoulder because it just never got fixed. And that was always going to put more pressure on my elbow. And I just, it got to the point where I was always trying to change something. Like I couldn't be repeatable anymore. I still had good stuff. Like I still had good stuff. I was still 99. Yeah, I, would, I would say I would change that term instead of being repeatable because it's, that's honestly impossible. Yeah. Um, you were constantly compensating. Yeah. Constantly. Like, cause some days I would show up and my arm wouldn't feel good. And I'd be like, Oh, I got to move my arm up higher today. Yeah, and I'd be yeah. thinking about stuff like that. Instead of being able to just so the tissues and the load that you were having on your arm and everything was, you know, not advantageous, which is, you know, blowing up your tricep, blowing up your shoulder because it was trying to avoid pain and survive. Yeah, literally. And, and I was still throwing like for the most part, I could still, you know, if I went out there, I was still mostly 88, 91, 92. Like, I mean, it wasn't like it was bad, but it just, it was always something. I was to that guy that, you know, the term they have for players that, Hey man, you always got something going on with you. That was literally, yeah. it was always something. I always, yeah. I couldn't throw, I never threw in a fall, never threw a full fall and never got that development time and just stopped throwing strikes. And then just like it happened at Gulf coast, like when I stopped being able to really develop and get better and not be able to throw, just the confidence started going through down and then just kind of just, at that level, when you're starting to talk about that, you know, you can't have that kind of stuff. There's too many good guys that are too competitive. It's cutthroat. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, get the job done or get out. It's pretty much that simple. So, yeah. and it is what it is, but I'm more thankful for Troy than anything. I just learned, I feel like it was learning about just that level of baseball. Like the Sunbelt Conference like, was like a, you know, very competitive division one conference. And I got to see a bunch of players and just be around like that, that level of baseball. And it just gave me an insight so much more into it. Like, I feel like player wise, like as actually performing, I learned more in junior college because I obviously got to pitch more, but mm-hmm. the mental side of just like how I guess I see it as a coach that so much came from Troy, just being able to see And honestly, this is funny, but from riding the bench all the time, from not being good enough, when you ride sure. the bench, you have the ability to just look and study the game from the sense of, I'm not trying to focus on playing. I'm just kind of focusing on, you You're know, a student of the game. Yeah student in the game, because even though I wasn't playing, I always loved baseball. I always knew I wanted to go into coaching. Like it was what I always loved. I've loved baseball since I was six. I always knew I was going to do it for as long as I could. And I tried to soak up so much. And I feel like I did. Like I learned, you know, just how different guys operate. Like what I love to see there is, you know, so many guys are talented, 
and they all have things that are different between them. Like no guy, like our Friday and Saturday guy, were two completely different guys that both play pro ball now. Not the same. One of them six three and one seventy. The other's five ten two twenty. Like one yeah. throws a four seam fastball. One's a two seam guy. Like just seeing how so many people can be different, but yet still be successful. Like it does. This isn't a game yeah. where there's never just no one way of doing things, man. Right? It's like exactly goes against the one size fits all or speaking in absolutes and trying to get everyone to be on the same like yeah. templated or like one way of doing things, which, you know, recently been getting on this whole authentic thing, right? They got to be authentic to themselves. They yeah, got to yeah. be able to perform and produce, you know, success in their own type of way. Not yeah, uh, exactly. a way that a coach has framed in their mind. That's like the way that they yeah. hold on a pedestal. Exactly. Like everybody's going to be different and that's, that's fine. That should be, that's completely fine. We can have 12 different guys that can all be really good. And, and then also before in the last summer, before my last year at Troy, I got to train at tread at the facility with you and just seeing all those guys. Like, so at that point I kind of got to, it was almost kind of a full circle in a way of, I got to see like how the structure of people who, you know, at tread and you guys, um, like mainly you, showed me was just that you can be structured and then also be like free. Does that make sense? Like there's a way to be structured. And then I guess in a way like your authenticity, like, and be different. Like there's a way to go about that. And my ultimate goal as a coach was to always think, how do I take the kind of stuff that you do on the player development side of being individualized and being, you know, individual performance based, right? That's what you do for the most part and tie that into a team setting. Like, how do I do that? Cause it's not the same, right? It's impossible to train in the fall as a team. Like I did with you over the summer, because, you know, we're talking about over the summertime, I don't have anything to do for me. It was baseball only. I show up, I get my work. If I, it takes me six hours to do all my baseball stuff that you give me that day, it takes me six hours, whatever. But when school rolls around, you know, guys have class, guys have homework. Yeah, you got to be able to prioritize and be like, okay, what's my main priority for the day? Yeah. What's the main priority first? And know. how do we get these guys that, how do we get guys to be able to do these things in a way where they can also revolve around the things that they're going to have to do with being a student athlete? Like they're going to have to go to class. Or being a part of a team, you know. Yeah. Or in a team atmosphere. All this other we, stuff. Yeah. We got two coaches. Like, you know, we have two coaches. I we talked about this, you know, it's hard for me to sit there and be like, Hey, let me get a complete full breakdown of every single player and exactly how they move and exactly how they do everything. It's just, it's not really feasible in that kind of setting. It's and, not but that, and looking back at honestly, a lot of it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like it, it, like it doesn't for the most part. So it's, you know, but, but also to be said, there's definitely a way that you can go about the same way, you know, you kind of showed me like you can, it's possible to blend them. It's, it's, it's definitely possible. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. I think you have to be open to it. You got to be open to it. And I think when we had a conversation a little bit before this, you said something to kind of get to what you were saying about having structure, but then, you know, having some freedom within that structure is you don't have a, a like permanent program. Everything's penciled in and you can erase it and change it at any point. Exactly. Exactly. And like I said, mindset kind of frees your mind a little bit, be like, okay, I don't necessarily have to do, you know, three sets of 10 of whatever. Yeah. My arm feels good that day. I can do 12. My arm feels like crap that day. Let's 
bump it back to two sets, maybe one. Who knows? There's yeah. throwing numbers out there as an example, but you know. Like I just feel like as a coach, I guess in my mind, it you have to be able to adapt just like you ask your players to adapt, right? You know, you ask players to be able to do different things. So you do for the most part, you say, Hey, I might need you to go five innings today, I might need you to go one. I might need you to throw on short rest, I might need you to just wait, like you might can have five days rest, whatever. You have to be able to adapt to whatever whatever happens. And it's not necessarily like you said, with the sense of coaches it's not coming from a bad place, right? Like they give you structure and they give you this program because they think it's what's best for you. And they think it's how you're going to improve the most. And I understand that completely. Sure. But I feel like a lot of guys get too attached to their structure and too attached to their program to the point where you can't, you can't do that. You can't say, you can't plan August 1st and say, this is how we're going to do it every single day for the rest of the fall. Because it's just, that's not, you can't, you like, something's going to happen, you know, something's going to happen where, Guys might have to take a couple days off and then you have to, you know, recalibrate, you know, something that something that we're doing a lot here when I, like I'm excited to do it. And I think it's really good is that, you know, we're going to be really like aware of mental health health. Right. Like that's a big thing nowadays as far as people, athletes in general. Right. Like we're going to be really aware of that. And it was something that we have at Rockingham is we have a policy in the fall. Everybody gets a mental health day. You get one. Like you can call in whatever you want to basically, you know, for whatever reason. There's no questions asked. You just say, hey, coach, like. I got, I got some stuff going on. I would like to take my mental health day today. You know, like I'll be back tomorrow. That's cool with us. We get it because you know, for whatever reason, some people can take advantage of that though. And you got to call them out on their shit. Oh no, no, we, we only get one. We only get one in the way it works. You only get one. And then with as far as like our attendance policy, everybody gets one freebie. If you've already used your freebie, then you have to personally meet with us to talk about what the mental health day is for, you know, like obviously we're open about it. That's fine. But that way you can't use the mental health day is like a freebie for being late or something, or just wanting a day off or whatever. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So like, if it's a guy who for the most part, you know, they've, you know, they're always on time. They're always doing everything right. And then coach says, Hey, you know, you, we, I got something going on. Like I got something going on, you know, whatever we get, you get one of those, you get one just because I feel like it's something that for whatever reason, you know, maybe guys aren't quite open enough to talk about it. You never know what can, things can happen. Right. Like, you know, family gets divorced, relative dies, even girlfriend issues. Because my thing is, is I don't want guys to show up to the field with their head cluttered with all this stuff. And then now they're easily agitated and anything you tell them, they're just going to get mad about it. They're just going to lose a day. They're going to lose a day of, of being able to get better because of something that is not even baseball related. It's in a control of, if it happened to me, what would I do? Like, right. Like, I don't like to treat my players any differently than I would treat myself or my friends in the sense of, like, what if something happened to me, right? What if I got in a fight with my girlfriend? Would I really want to, you know, how would I feel the next day if someone was yelling at me, not knowing that kind of thing, right? So I would just like to kind of share the opposite end of that spectrum because I dealt with all three of those literally in the same semester. Yeah, that's tough. I didn't get an off day. Yeah. Mental health day or any of that shit. And honestly, I didn't want to. Yeah. Because I had one and I would be able to just sit there. I'd be wallowing. Yeah. And probably make things worse. I went to oh, the I agree. get away and escape from all that shit. I'm the same that way. Was a different mindset, I guess, that I had. I don't know. But like, I don't I'm the know. same way. I always saw it as the same thing. For me, it was no matter what was going on, like, you know, family wise, girlfriend wise, whatever. For me, baseball was always my release. That's like, I didn't have necessarily a great childhood growing up. And I think that's why I honestly love baseball as much as I do. And I feel the attachment because for me, 
no matter what was going on at home, no matter what any other situation was like baseball was my happy place. Like it was my safe place. But I also understand that it's not like that for everybody, like for everybody, that's not always necessarily the case. So it's just something we talk about, but in the sense of same thing, right? Like if you know, and even if somebody comes up to you, right. If let's just throw out the, the day of without talking about it. Like I tell guys, you know, I want you to be upfront with me. Like, I want you to tell me, Hey, it all comes back to the adaption. Yeah, you want to build a relationship with them for sure. Yeah. It all comes back to the adapting thing we were talking about. But like I said, I think I was talking to you about this the other day of the sense of, I want a guy to come up to me and be honest and say, Hey, Hey coach, I had girlfriend problems. I stayed up till one 30 in the morning arguing with my girlfriend and you know, I, I slept bad. I didn't do this. So I he showed up be transparent about it, but then like, still exactly. But, and that's the thing is if you allow guys to know, Hey, you know, we can, we can adapt this program around you and around things that are going to happen in life. I feel like guys are more open to actually telling you things, not like, well, you know, you missed today, but you know, everything, you know, you got to be right, right back, whatever. It's like, Hey, you know, like stuff happens, like stuff happens. We're people like we are people before we are athletes. It, it's just how we're going to be like, you know, yeah. be open with me. And if something like that happens, you know, maybe in my plan, I had him throwing a bullpen that day, but now he just came up to me and said, Hey coach, my mental state's not there. And I just slept five hours poorly last night. Am I going to make that guy throw a bullpen today? No, like that wouldn't make a ton of sense. You know, like, Hey, let's push it back a day or what, what well, you can, you can kind of gauge that like as you're building a relationship with them because yeah, you know, you get to see them every single day and you can tell if they're a little bit off. Exactly. They don't tell you anything. Exactly. So like, okay. Hey, but like, you know, in the strength world, they have those, you know, physical readiness scores where they're like, Hey, what's your vertical jump? All right. You're a little, or like maybe forearm gynomometer, right? You use those as like yep. uh indicator of where they're at central nervous system wise or power yep. out wise, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Right. But even outside of that, right. You mentioned the, the adapting piece, no matter what life throws at you, you got to learn how to adapt and get shit done regardless. Exactly. You know, cause you're going to have days where it's like, Hey, you're slotted to start or Hey, you're first in relief. You got to figure it out, dude. Like, yeah. Sorry about it. You got to learn how to be resilient. Um, and that even goes back to like what you were saying about being too attached to a program. Let's yep. say you go into a gym and someone took your squat rack or, you know, whatever you don't, your bands popped and you don't have any bands to do your work, work for whatever particular exercise, you know, shit hits the fan and you got to be able to adapt and adjust. Yep. A hundred percent. No, a hundred percent. And that, that was, yeah, that's exactly the, we kind of got off on a little tangent there, but that the whole point of that was to say, you know, sometimes there could be any number of reasons why your program has to shift but you gotta, you gotta adapt to it and you have to there. And then not only do you need to adapt it, but in my head, it's okay. We just took a left turn. Now, how do we maximize yeah. within the change that we just had to make? Oh, it's not sure. just like a lose a day. Cause in my head, what happens a lot is, you know, it's a one day thing, right? Like, let's just say it's a one day thing. Well, if you don't switch maybe the next three days, you try to put like rush something that shouldn't be there. And now you end up taken three steps backwards because you weren't willing to change the program that you so had your mind set on. And now instead of actually being on the program, you think you are, you just made the guy take a whole three steps back. And now he's got to take three steps forward just to get back to where he was before that one thing even happened. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So definitely a lot of, uh, we are speaking a lot of hypotheticals here because it is personal and, 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 and yeah, um, 
ton of hypothetical. But like once once you get your feet on the ground, you'll be able to know. And then exactly. it's not every day. And there's going to be certain days where, you know, you're just going to have to suck it up and be like, all right, yep. so we'll schedule for the day. Yeah. Get it. Uh, yeah. You know, but I do think there's a difference between powering through and like getting work done and, mm. you know, having this monotonous, mundane, like just blech feel, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Some, sometimes like quality work sucks and, yeah be some of the same shit over and over however if your mind's not in it if your mind's not present you're just going through the motions exactly and that was kind of the whole preface of us doing the mental health day thing because it's like you know it's like with any sort of system where you give players kind of their own freedoms you always have to be worried about them taking advantage right and that goes for anything that goes for them doing early work on there because you know there may be a day where I'm out recruiting or something and I can't be there for that day of practice. I can give them a plan and there's always going to be the worry of me giving them the freedom and them not doing it. But I, for the most part, it's, it's trust and laying a foundation that like, Hey, you know, when your mind's really not there, let us know, not just, Hey, teacher pissed me off first period. You know what I mean? Like, that's like, whatever, or just like a normal little fight with your girlfriend. That's whatever. Like it's the whole idea is it's supposed to be something like, Hey, if you're not going to be able to come out here, like if something so bad happened that you can't come out here and even relatively focus, why come out here? Go figure it out. So then you can come back out here tomorrow and be locked in. Sure. You know like, what I mean? It's like, yeah. It's, it's all about like saying like, Hey, like this is a last resort option. Yes. And that's why I say for me, you know, that's why I think, and like we talked about earlier with just the consistency and stuff like that, the biggest thing for me more than anything, especially we start practice tomorrow is, is just laying foundation and making guys understand like, Hey, you know, there are differences. Like there are days where I'm going to say, Hey, you know, like I get it. I get it. It's cool. You know, I'm young. I kind of relate to them more than I guess most coaches would in the sense of age gap wise, but also there's got, there has to be some days where I'm like, Hey, let's go. I get that. It might not have been the best day in the world, but like, let's go. Like, you know, you can put that behind you for an hour. It's one hour. You know what I mean? You can do that depending on what it is. But a lot of that just comes with open and free communication. And I know you've seen some of the plans I've wrote and every single on every single piece of paper or every single, whether it's our lifting, whether it's our mobility, whether it's our plyos, whether it's our throwing, every single page at the very bottom says, this is subject to change and everything is based on effective communication. And that's how it has to be. I mean, that's, and that's as good as it can be, right? Like, like I said, you can't plan perfectly. Everything for me, I guess, revolves around effective communication. Does your arm feel bad today? Okay. How are the lifts feeling today? Okay. Whatever. Did you sleep well? Okay. As long as you preface by I saying out the day before. Oh, cool. Let's, you know, yeah. Um, Evan Floyd, change it up that way. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's what, you know, I, that's why I don't cling so much to like the very uh, strict like linear periodization yeah like on i've obviously been more towards undulating and you know i meet and have phone calls with guys and i'm just like hey like you know it's this is your up and coming like general trend this is when you have to be on games first mm-hmm. and then let's work backwards from there and try to train you up to make sure that you're in the best possible situation for whenever your game starts or when your season starts yeah but I make it very general and then ebb and flow and change it as I get more communication from the athlete, because 
you know, that's the best way to go about it in my eyes. Yeah. You can't, if I went in and then was like, all right, let's have this big meeting and then just plan everything from January 1st back to January 1st of the following year. Yeah. Then I have to do so much other stuff just to go in and change and fill in. And, you know, it's a lot of, I don't want to say wasted time, but it's, it's a lot of like little tedious work and then having to go back and change all of that. You can have a general theme of what that's going to look like and have an idea, especially after you coach certain guys for a certain period of time. Mm -hmm. But after that, it's like, all right, we got to just communicate better. No, for sure. And that's, that's a good point. And that's exactly why ours is set up in phases, right? Instead of me thinking about this entire fall from August 15th to whatever the last day is, December something or November, whatever it's phases. Okay. You know, let's break this down. You know, tomorrow's August 15th. We play our first fall game, September 11th. So, Hey, let me focus on this four week window. Let me make as like pencil of a plan that's good and structured, but can be changed in this four week window. And then towards the end of that four week window, we'll start working about the next window in the next window. And if you think of it in, in segments, instead of trying to think of it in one big piece, you know, kind of like the same way you think of like, you know, you start, you pit like pitching mechanics, everything, right? Like you don't want to necessarily see it as like, like there's a big picture to all of it, but you have to focus on, you know, parts of things like certain parts can ultimately build you to the, to the top, like, or to the, to the overall grand picture. You need and I want to be able to look all parts function in order to see the big picture. Exactly. However, if you get too zoned in on those, yeah. So this is the same thing even too, or you're talking about being too attached to the program. If you're too focused in on a certain part. Yeah. If you're too focused in on strength training, if you're too focused in on conditioning, like you were saying before, you're just like had no mobility because mm-hmm. you're too focused on the strength side. Yeah. That's where things can get a little out of whack. So you got to yeah. learn how to pull the strings and, you know, have the puppet master, so to speak, to where everything is moving and flowing together properly. Exactly. Exactly. And it's a, it's a tough job. I mean, I, it's like, it's, I feel, you know, I am entrusted with guys' careers. You know what I mean? Like, and it, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird thing, right? And everybody's a little bit different and you got to learn how they all work. And I guess for me, if I, I don't have any necessarily fear, but if I have one thing that I have to, you know, hyper-focus on to me, it's understanding that, you know, I have an important job and I have to do my best ability to prepare myself the best to prepare them, which is what I, I kind of said that earlier too. So, you know, I'm, I'm doing everything I can between talking to you, reading stuff, all this kind of stuff to, to ultimately give those guys the best plan possible. So, but I'm super pumped for it. I mean, I I think, I think we're on a good spot. I think we're, I think we're all in a good place for sure. Um, really looking forward to seeing how it all pans out Tyson me too man me too it's I have all the confidence in the world but it's like even if you know you're holding the winning ticket it's still kind of scary until you actually cash it in so first step but you guys are starting up this week so it'll be good yeah that'll be awesome well for those of you listening and want to follow on along with Tyson and seeing how his season goes and how everything implements from there uh, what's some Twitter handles, Instagram handles for them to follow for that. So Twitter, Tyson Ellis underscore 13. That's my Twitter. Um, you can also follow Rockingham Community College Baseball. I think it's RCC Eags Baseball. 
Um, I'm going to post a lot of stuff on there yeah, too. I'll put this in the show notes too, guys. But yeah. Yeah. So I have a lot of stuff on there. And uh, yeah, it's going to be anywhere from lifting, throwing. Um, I got some Zoom calls set up with some of my uh, peers that play pro ball now, um, just because I think they can give some helpful insight. It'll be, we'll even do stuff as far as spiritual growth, like grounding, um, not, not spiritual, not spiritual in the sense of religion, but spiritual in the sense of what we're going to do. And guys might find it weird at first, but every day into practice. And I know for a fact, people are going to listen to this and be like, well, it's weird, whatever. I don't care. I know you won't. So that's fine. Into practice, grounding, no shoes on the outfield grass, 10 minutes, no shirt. Let the sun hit you. I want the sun on the body. I don't know if it's going to do anything, but all I know is that it's not going to hurt us to try. So. What, uh, what's the reasoning behind after practice? The, the reasoning behind after practice is because we'll have more time before practice. We're not really, cause we practice at 12. So most night, like most of our guys are going to be coming from class and eating right to practice. So that's the only reason why after practice. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I mean, sometimes too, depending on what time of day it is, like the sun yeah. out at that time. So it's good for me to kind of settle yeah. down, disconnect. I've, if you had unlimited amount of time or not super rushed on time i would do that probably first thing like get your feet on the ground and then get grounded and then hit yeah. the hit the intensity right because then now you're you're in, in tune with your body and stuff yeah that's stuff's just, real you know if like i said you got to be willing to be adaptable in your situation it works best to be at the end yeah i mean that's just how it goes same thing with a lot of things i mean you just got to do you got to play the cards you're dealt man you got to play the cards you're dealt so, That's and it's it. not about the cards, it's about the poker player. That's how I always thought it. Sick. Awesome. Well, Tyson, appreciate you coming on, dude. Um, and for those of you listening, stay in the zone.